Hello and welcome to Digital Photo Magazine's weekly podcast, covering everything you need to know about the world of digital photography. My name is Matty Graham, I'm Managing Editor at the magazine, and with me, as always, is our Technical Editor, Matt Higgs. Hello. Hey. Now, Higgsy, you've had a busy few days because uh-huh. you were one of a select group of journalists to be flown out to Spain to get your hands on Olympus's new flagship camera, the OMD EM1 Mark II. I did, yeah, yeah. So uh, we were given the camera and Olympus had set up a day's... Uh, uh, worth of activities um, so we were taking photos of bulls stampeding towards us and <laughs> birds of prey flying around and uh, water balloons being popped by arrows and all these kind of things that they hoped would really show off uh, the, the amazing new features that it has and it, it yeah it kind of my initial impressions are that it's a really nice camera Christoph, so tell us, let's Take a step back and tell us about the trip and, and where did you go to first of all? So we we went to uh, Ronda in Andalusia, Spain, um, and uh, I think the hope was that we'd get some amazing weather. Unfortunately, we took the British weather with us, and it was a little bit miserable the first day. Oh, but no. um, they'd set up all these amazing experiences, and um, it, it was a I mean absolutely stunning place. The views just went on and on and on and on. Uh, we don't quite have the uh, well actually that's a bit of a lie. We do have some landscape like that in the UK, but we certainly don't have that in Peterborough here where we're based. <laughs> <laughs> Too flat. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, um, when you were out there, you actually interviewed a, a couple of uh, pros, didn't you? I did, yeah. I thought, you know, rather than me just giving my opinion on the camera, which I'm sure all our uh, listeners are going to pick up and read in a in a forthcoming copy of the magazine, yeah. um, I thought I'd talk to some of the professional photographers that were also out there and get their opinion on the camera. So um, I don't think any of them were kind of... Olympus uh, shooters, or at least they weren't ambassadors, they've used Olympus cameras before. Yeah. So I thought, you know, these are some quite um, individual opinions yes. uh, from working pros, yes. and I thought, you know, let's let's hear what they have to say. Fantastic. Well, we're going to play that audio for you now, so here it goes. So I'm here with Jimmy Chang, who's a street photographer and wedding photographer based in London, and I thought I'd ask him for his opinion, so it's not just me talking about this camera. So, Jimmy... What was your favourite feature about this new camera? Uh, good morning, first. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with this camera. Yeah. And I think um, uh, coming from a traditional OMD user, I mean, I, I have the original OMD M5 Mark One, then up to Mark II, and uh, never owned an EM1. This is the first time I actually tried an EM1 uh, uh, Mark II now. So um, uh, I'm actually quite impressed with the AF speed. That's, mm. I think that's the single most... Uh, impressive features that I've found. Um, so what did you enjoy uh, trying it out on most yesterday? I mean, we had a few activities taking place. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. Well, most of them, you know, like the, the pro shots, uh, which kind of like you, uh, you know, you kind of pre-capture 60 frames before you even press the shutter. That was quite good. Yeah. And then, uh, but the AF, I mean, it's really just the AF. Um, the tracking was really good, very reliable, um, more so than I actually ant- originally anticipated. Mm. You know, I know I've been using a lot of different, different mirrorless cameras and they all struggle with tracking to yeah. a certain extent. And this is something different. Yeah. So just to fill any kind of listeners in, we were um, taking pictures of some eagles and some, yes. some uh, owls and various things yeah, that yeah, were flying yeah. around. And then also some bulls. There was a bit of a bull stampede that we were in the middle of. <laughs> yes. um, and these things were moving quickly. Yes. Um, but you're right. I think the autofocus is, is really pretty speedy. Yes. And, and I think it really helps with the EVS. Now the refresh rate is uh, been upped. To, I don't know the exact spec now, I can't remember, it's 100 frames per second or something, or maybe 120. Uh, but yeah, you got little blackout. Yeah, there was virtually it, no it, blackout. It's very similar experience than what you used to as a traditional DSLR. Mm. In a very similar, you still got a little kind of flicker, but it's not 
completely blacked out, you can't even see anything. You mm. can actually continue seeing the, where the subject's moving, going. So you can still track them, which is a big plus in a, in a, from, a, uh, from a photographer's point of view. Mm. And yes, yeah, so the tracking is just brilliant. You know, like when we're doing the bowl stuff and uh, the light was dropping, so I, would, I was up the ISO to 1600, you know, which is fairly high for a mirrorless. And um, it still tracked fine. You still get really sharp shots, and uh, the lens was good, so it's, it's good, yes. And when you get back home and you're, you know, you're shooting some more weddings and you're shooting some street shots, yeah. is this kind of camera you can imagine yourself kind of incorporating in your setup? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I'm already using my OMD for part of my wedding and street works. Yeah. And um, uh, because the, the yes, stabilization is always great on the OMD, uh, and the EM1 Mark II is another level. You know, I couldn't believe my eyes when I first touched the, uh, the button. And uh, you know when it's stabilized, you, you reduce the shakes. Mm. And uh, but when you kind of move the camera a little bit, you can still see the um, the, the viewfinder moves. Yeah. You know, the image in the viewfinder moves. Uh, but with the EM1, it literally just locks it. It doesn't move. <laughs> it's just really weird when you look at it. It's just but my my body's moving, but the image in the in the viewfinder doesn't move. It just stays there. <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of weird in a way. But but I guess it helps a lot. You know, it shows how strong the IS is. Yeah. You know, in, in, in modern day cameras. And is there, is there anything that you kind of wish that was there or not, or is it kind of uh, direct controls? Yeah. I know I know the EM1 has. Uh, you can customize the EM1. You know, all the buttons are customizable. So you can actually customize everything, literally. Uh, but you know, from a well, you call me old school. You know, I, I like direct control. You know, mm. if they have a dedicated ISO dial, uh, uh, um, it would be great. Mm. You know, and I, it's still more or less a two-step process. And if the, no matter what you do, yeah, going through that quick menu and stuff and selecting yeah, the options, it you it, know, it's not. It doesn't take all the time in the world, but no. it takes enough that you. It's, it's not. It's not something you just do instantly when you turn no. the dial. Just there, and and you know this is like you have to press or do the shortcut, and then you move around to for the ISO setting. Yeah, it, yeah, it's two step process minimum. So it's it's not nice. very um, fast for me. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for sharing your opinion. Do you want to um, kind of uh, give us the link for your website and uh, of course, yes. your social media accounts, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can follow me on Instagram or at Jimmy Chang Photography. Uh, my website is Jimmy Chang Photography. That's for my wedding work and my street stuff is jimmychain.gallery. Hi, my name's Tom Mason. I'm a professional wildlife and nature photographer. And today I'm out with Olympus uh, in Ronda to test out the new OMD EM1 Mark II. Um, now, as a DSLR shooter, um, the use of mirrorless cameras is something that I... I haven't really stepped into for wildlife photography, but coming out to Ronda with Olympus has been a fantastic chance to put this new product to the test uh, and really see how it stacks up against the DSLRs for performance out in for wildlife shooting. Um, and now, first off, the, the, the major thing that I've been impressed with the, with the OMD is the AF performance um, and the speed of the camera. It really does lock focus fast, um, and it, the tracking was excellent when we worked on some uh, birds of prey. It, a real development from some of the earlier mirrorless uh, form cameras that um, I've seen and used in the past. The design and handling of the camera are excellent. The features and buttons all work very well in the hand. And the small form factor, um, especially with the combination of the Olympus lenses, something like the 50 to 150 2.8 and the uh, 300 f4, makes a stunning package for those who want to travel with their wildlife photography. I mean, it literally is half the size, if not smaller than the, the relevant uh, DSLR equivalent. It really is something that could be a major benefit for those who don't want to carry as much equipment into the field. 
Okay, so Higgsy, we've heard from the professionals there, but perhaps we could wrap up this segment with your impression about the camera, the things you liked about it, the things that you perhaps didn't like as much, and most importantly, how much is it going to cost? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing that really grabbed me with this camera uh, in my hand was that the autofocus is really quite fast. Right. You know, um, moving from kind of subject to subject and refocusing, it, it takes fractions of seconds. So I think, you know, uh, with these autofocus systems on a lot of these cameras now, you're getting about as good as, <laughs> as you're ever really going to notice. Yeah. Uh, we're talking fractions of a second. Yeah. Um, then kind of the image stabilization was fantastic as well. They had some guys there that were kind of showing off the, the capabilities of the image stabilization, particularly for movie. Yes. And um, I mean, it is truly stunning. You turn off the, the image stabilization and, you know, you've got some quite shaky footage when, when you kind of try and track a subject and stuff like that. Yeah. With it on, I mean, you're almost getting, not quite, but you're almost getting kind of steady cam results. Wow. Uh, handheld, which is, I mean, from such a small device is, is truly amazing and I'm, I'm sure it's really going to appeal to a lot of people. Um, in terms of price, it's... Eighteen forty nine, um, so it's 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 competitively. That's priced. body only. That's body only. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's you know there's a lot of of cameras out there for for a similar kind of price. I mean. It, it's pretty compact. It's got a nice big grip on it, and it yeah. feels good in hand. But um, it's still a lot more compact than than kind of DSLRs, which tout some of the burst figures and stuff that it has. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you didn't like as much? Anything I didn't like? Well, see, you heard in the uh, the the kind of sound sample then that Jimmy kind of quite like liked the uh, the tracking of the autofocus system. I didn't quite have the same experience, if I'm being totally honest. Okay. Um, so the, the tracking system, yeah, okay, a lot of the time it was doing a very good job. Yeah. But I probably noticed a few more dropped frames where they weren't quite as sharp as, as what I might expect from some of the DSLRs we reviewed and things like that. Okay, no, that's fair um, And then I suppose other things, you know, you, you're you always going to kind of have battery life issues when you've got such a small device. So I think there's still going to be areas that people who those features are really important to, battery life and, and uh, subject tracking, you know, perhaps they might still want to look elsewhere. But for a lot of people, this is going to tick an awful lot of boxes. Good stuff. And what did you, most importantly, never mind the camera, what did you bring us back from Spain? What did, what did I bring you back from Spain? Just some amazing imagery, Matty, as always. Oh. That's, that's it. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that, Matt. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. Now, well, we've got a lot of love for our photo debate section. I have to say that carefully. Um, <laughs> Uh, on the podcast last week so I thought we'd give it another week because we love the banter and it's always great to surprise Higgsy <laughs> with a topic he doesn't expect uh, now if you want to join in with the debate or venture your photo spleen remember we've got a brand new section in the magazine called Your Shout and we designed this for the exact reason so that you can have your opinion heard in the magazine you can contact us via Facebook Twitter or email uh, and you know some of the chats we, we, we picked up on Twitter they've been really good they've had a lot of sort of sparked a lot of debate in the office as well mm. so here's a reminder of the format we each get 45 seconds on a topic I've got the time I'm just setting up here on my phone and uh, who wants to go first do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Let's keep the surprise. You obviously know what the questions are. so uh, Fair enough. <laughs> okay. For, so the first one is, can uh, can micro... This is uh, topical, given your uh, trip with Olympus. Yeah. Can micro four thirds ever compete with full frame? Go. Okay. Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Um, 
I think for a lot of users, then the answer is probably yes. I think, you know, I was obviously trying out the Olympus EM1 Mark II and uh, we had the opportunity to print some shots while we were there and kind of with their optics as well. I mean, I was really impressed with mm. the results that we were getting. You know, we were, we were making some pretty big prints and the quality was fantastic, but that's in good light. Yeah. I think the, the area that they're always going to kind of struggle a little bit more in is low light situations like the gig photography that I usually do. And in situations like that, larger sensors are always going to have an advantage. These, these things are going to get better and better and better and get even better at handling those situations yeah but there's always going to be an advantage in having a larger sensor so that's my answer hey oh my god that, that was that was literally bang on 45 seconds on you are that's, that's really good <laughs> okay i'll start this timer because i'm good at add to that and say well look i think it's i was doing a lot of images at the weekend and something struck me i was cropping so much of the image out mm. So that's basically chucking away pixels. Yep. Now, if you framed more carefully, if I framed more carefully, yeah. I'd use this, uh, the sensor more effectively. You know, I wouldn't have to sort of, you know, I'm using almost a micro four thirds size area of the frame. So really, it depends how you fr uh, frame up. And also, I think that with the advances in micro four thirds, you know, it's been going, what, sort of 10 years now? Mm. Look at the jumps that they've made. Um, Really, I think, and that also, how many pixels does a normal person need as well? Yeah, you're not going to be shooting for billboards. The ninety-nine percent of us aren't going to be shooting for billboards. So I think, you know what, MFT can compete with full frame. There you go. You heard it here first. I ran over there by three seconds. Please forgive me. <laughs> so here we go again. Here's the next one. I'm okay, going to start I'm the ready. timer. And the question is, should you charge friends for photography? Ooh, um, <laughs> what a question! Well, uh, yeah, I don't know how many of my friends are listening to this podcast. Um, I would say that it depends how close a friend they are. Um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with giving mates rates, and you know, if it's if it's your own brother, your own sister, your mum or dad, then yeah, I mean, no one's really going to charge them, are they? Charge them double. <laughs> but that said, you know. Um, at the same time, if it's someone that you've come into contact a few times and you you know you're friends with them on Facebook or whatever, yeah. End of the day, you know this this is for a lot of people. Uh, you know they're living or at least you know um, an additional income, and the only person that you're really kind of um, doing no favors for is yourself if you're if you're giving away imagery in your time. And it also kind of sets a precedent then because they might recommend you to their friends and they'll tell them what you charge them, and then their friends expect the same rates. And uh, you know I think it's a it's a slippery slope if you're not too careful good stuff good stuff okay well we start the timer again and i actually agree with a lot of what you said um i mean look you know i sold a few prints last week and working out how much i charge for prints is really hard because you know, you've got the physical physical cost of the print uh you know the ink the paper all yeah. of that but you know there's so much else that goes into photography you know um the price of the cameras, the price of the lenses, the price of the insurance, the price of the fuel to get to the location to take the landscape picture that I sold. And, you know, we can't just give it away for free. No. And I think that um, if they're really your friend, they would understand that you have to make a living from this. And, you know, you know, by all means, do, do a reduced cost, do mates rates, all of that sort of stuff. But this is your job, man. You know, if, if your friend was... Uh, a plumber or a doctor, you, you wouldn't go up to them and go, oh, you're not going to charge me, right, because we're friends. That's yeah. the living at the end of the day. So I think it's perfectly acceptable to charge. Okay, we've got one more, and the last question, Higgsy, is... Oh, <laughs> wow. This <laughs> nice bit of segue. Here we go. The question is, what's the best route for print? Buy a printer or use a lab? 
Ooh, I think it depends. I mean, you talked about selling prints then, and I think it depends kind of how often you're doing that and what you're using these prints for. If you're regularly going to be making prints and you want total control of how they turn out mm. and you know, you're going to be selling them and stuff, then it might be worth buying your own printer. If you're going to make the odd few prints and they're going to be for home or just, you know, you're going to make a couple of copies to sell, then actually, you know, with a lot of the online labs that are out there now, they're really competitively priced. The results are really good and you haven't got to faff around messing with printers, which, you know, nothing in breaks as often as printers that's something I've discovered over the years <laughs> so you know take the stress out of it just send the files off and get them made so my answer is it depends on the how often you're making prints and whether you're going to be selling them and stuff but for me personally I'd probably just go online these days okay fair enough okay so I'm going to start a timer again let me just figure out this iPhone here <laughs> we go so my take on this is the what if factor so what if the print is rubbish if you've got a home printer and you're printing for yourself, if it turns out that you know it's not what you want, you have to you know spend more money on the paper and on the ink to get it right. So if you if you're you know selling this print you've, and you've used you know five sort of prints to get mm. it right, that's profit down the drain. If you use the lab and it's rubbish, you go back to them and say well, you know come on this this isn't you know the colours are wrong, the, you know something's just not right with it. They'll obviously have to do that print for you again for free. So if you are in the business of making money from prints, then labs are the way to go. If you're just printing you know, for friends and family, uh, <laughs> probably at a reduced rate, like we just talked about in the last <laughs> question, then a home printer, I think, is, is the way forward. Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of discussing two different types of printers here as yeah, well, aren't we? exactly. There's a difference between, like, you know, the real consumer models that you can make some half-decent little prints on, and then, you know, I was kind of thinking of those great big printers, which, you know, pretty expensive, cost £1,000 plus in the first place, and then, you know, you've got all the inks and all the paper and everything on top of that, you know, uh, just for making home prints. That was that was the timer, time. buzzing there. I definitely <laughs> ran out of time. I'm stealing your time there. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right, Hicksie. Kind of jumped in. Uh, so... Now, before we sign off on the Your Shout item, we talked about it last week, and we're, we're going to throw down the gauntlet again. Uh, we want to make this Your Sp Shout space a truly multi-platform section. If you want to join Higsey and I on a future podcast to chat, debate, and probably argue, then email us at dp at bowermedia.co.uk. Don't wait around. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear some new voices on the podcast. Good stuff. Okay, on to some news. There isn't a lot of news this week, uh, but one of the products that did come out uh, that went a little bit under the radar is an Olympus product. Okay. So this is going to be a fairly heavy Olympus podcast, but that's okay because the brand has released a really interesting new product. Uh, the STF-8 is a twin strobe macro flash that sits, sits on the front of your lens and helps banish shadows when you're taking macro pictures. Now the twist is that it's weatherproof it can be used in temperatures of down to 10, minus 10 degrees. Uh, it's available in January, and the UK price is TBC, but our US listeners will pay around $480. Cool. So, Higgsy, is this something you'd use, do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, illuminating macro subjects is, is a tricky thing at the best of times, you know, yeah. if you want really nice results. So, uh, I think to a lot of macro shooters, this is, this is really going to appeal. Absolutely. Um, Macro photography is not something that I do an awful lot, so whether I would invest in it, uh, perhaps not. I've got a couple of little um, uh, Manfrotto Lumi uh, lights, yes, um, and they're really good for kind of they are. Um, they're really good. pushing them into a shot and, and adding a little bit of light. So that's probably what I'd use because um, I don't shoot enough macro. Yeah. But four hundred and eighty dollars, you know, if you're an Olympus shooter, four hundred eighty dollars, four hundred and eighty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If if you're an Olympus shooter and this is something that you specialise in, then yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's pretty good. Okay, good stuff. Um. Would I use it? 
probably not. Like you see, you know, there's there's plenty of sort of cheaper options out there. But if you're a pro, if you're making any money from this, $480, it's not that much, is it? Good stuff. Okay, well, uh, that's enough news for this week because we want to talk about the bumper gift special that is our December issue, and this is in the shops now. So this is, you know, we've got some amazing gifts for this issue, and I'm going to run through them now. We've got free mono Lightroom presets, so you can change any image to black and white with just one click. We've got free 2017 calendar templates. Now, we get loads of emails about this, don't we? People mm. love these things. If you want to make a special bespoke calendar for a friend or family member, this is the template that you need. All you need to do is just drop your images in to the template. And hey, presto, you've got a fantastic calendar. We've also got uh, a free ice reflection kit that can be used with our Photoshop Junior section and a free autumn borders kit as well. I know we're slightly sort of heading towards the end of autumn now, but there's still time to... Um, well, it's a perfect tool to kind of incorporate in your calendar, isn't it? You Absolutely. know, create some autumn Im images and uh, when you get to the autumn months, chuck them in your calendar template. Fantastic. And you get all this plus a CD with over 70 minutes of video lessons for just 4 99 And better still, if you head over to greatmagazines.co.uk forward slash DP and you take out a subscription, you can get the magazine delivered to your door for just £3.15 an issue. So that web link again is greatmagazines.co.uk forward slash DP. Okay, we've got just about got some time for some reader questions. Uh, we'll have to whiz through these. Uh, but the first one is from Damien via email, and he says, I'm a pet photographer, and I specialise in taking pictures of people's dogs. Should I charge by the shoot or by the prints that I sell? Another printing question. Yeah, and another tough one. Um, I think it, it kind of depends how you want to operate. I mean, when I tend to shoot, I tend to shoot to brief, yep. and I'll be hired for an event or something like that, and I will charge my time, and I'll give them the files, because it's not the kind of thing that I'm ever going to keep and try and monetize in any other way. It's, you know, it's uh, they're the images for the client, and that's the agreement that I have. I give them the images. They can do what they want with them, yep. and um, that's that's the end of the thing. Um if you are yeah more pet and a, a portrait photographer, then a lot of people do sell their prints individually yes. or as sets, and um, they use that as a as another way to to make a bit more money. I mean, you probably do more portraiture than than me or family portraiture That's right, and yes. stuff, which yeah. is obviously a kind of similar audience. What what would you recommend, Matt? Okay, so I see both charge for your time. Um, and you know, so what I tend to do is have a set time. I, my photo shoots don't really run for longer than an hour because I take a lot of family portraiture. Kids get bored after an hour. Yeah, you know they want to go and play on the swings, um, which is fine. I can take picture of the pictures of them on the swings, but you know they want to once they're done smiling, they're done, aren't yeah. they? So an hour is about the right length of time. So I charge for the hour a set amount, but I also include in that charge a set amount of prints or images. Yeah. Now if they want more than that, that's fine and they could buy extra. So charge for your time, but also charge for extra prints. Because then you can, you know, if you've done a really great job, lumping them all in on a CD and handing that over for one set amount isn't really, you know, business sense. Yeah. Um, and remember, you know, we all love photography, but, you know, this is how we pay the bills. So I, I say, you know, don't feel bad about upselling. I think that is the term. <laughs> and uh, selling extra prints when you can. Okay, good stuff. Let's move on to the next question. This is from Jenny, and she says, Can you recommend an affordable lens that has a long focal length for wildlife photography, but doesn't break the bank? Yeah, sure. So the two lenses that I keep going back to are yep. both the Tamron and the Sigma 150-600 to 600 oh, models. I've um, got that exact so, lens written down. Yeah, brilliant. So... Um, Sigma have got the contemporary version of, th of that lens yep. um, and 
uh, Tamron have like their original version of that lens have just released a more expensive version called the G2 which we'll be reviewing soon fantastic um, but both those lenses are kind of you know 750 pounds um, and you know 600 mil that's going to cover most wildlife you know yeah. and actually that you know having a zoom as well is you know that bit of flexibility can be quite nice when you're responding to, to kind of changing situations so for me I think you know if you don't want to spend an absolute fortune but you do want a dedicated wildlife lens yeah. then these are the ideal choice that's fantastic advice and you know Matt is the the wildlife legend uh, of the team but I just chuck in one last bit of advice on that so if if that's too much money for Jenny uh, and she's looking for a cheaper option don't forget about teleconverters you know because if you've got a, a 7200 uh, stick a two times converter on that that's that's 400 if you're shooting with a crop sensor then that takes up to somewhere around sort of like um, 550 mil so that you know that almost puts you in the territory of the uh, Tamron and Sigma lenses that you mentioned but for 150 pounds Yep. You know, buy one second hand, £100. It was one of the first things I'd bought. I had a couple of lenses. Yep. I think I had a 50mm when I wanted a bit more reach. Yep. So I used to use it with a teleconverter and turn it into a 100mm and stuff. And I think you're right. I think if it's something that you're just kind of starting out in and you yep. want to try your hand out, uh, it's a really kind of affordable way to do that. Absolutely. Okay, we've got one last question. This one comes from uh, Harry via email. And he says, I'm looking to buy a new DSLR and I'm currently comparing specs. Tell me, why do I need two memory card slots? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the the, the main uh, kind of uh, reason that a lot of people would use is, is that it allows you to cram in more memory cards. Yeah, and exactly. Gives, and gives you therefore more space. Yeah. So um, you know, if uh, if you've got a couple of eight gig cards and you know you can get several hundred images on there, but you might shoot a few more, and you don't want to be constantly diving into a bag and switching memory cards. Yeah. Stick two in there, and then one once one is filled, uh, the camera will just move straight onto the next one. The other thing that a lot of people will do is if it's a really kind of important shoot and you want to make sure that everything's backed up there in camera so should anything happen to one of the cards you've still got the files then um, you can have the option to kind of just have the files written to the two cards and then you've got a, a kind of safeguard should anything happen to one of them absolutely um, I'd, all I was going to add to that was that um, you know also you can refine your workflow as well if um, all you can do is with two memory cards you can set it up so one shoots JPEG yeah. uh, and one shoots RAW or alternatively if you're a videographer one shoots um, stills and one shoots video uh, so when you pull the uh, cards out, stick them in the computer. You're not faffing about with different formats. What you know, you stick a card in, one will be RAWs. You stick the next card in, one will be video, and that will help you, you know, speed up your workflow. And like um, Higgsy said, you know, the thing about memory cards is people never believe they would go wrong, and they do go wrong. Yeah. Have you had any cards go wrong on you? Yeah, I've had a couple. I mean, most of the cards I've had kind of go wrong is kind of uh, they've managed to physically break as opposed oh, to just wow. create errors, which is unusual. I'm obviously shoving them in a bit vigorously, but um, <laughs> okay, steady on. But uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, having a backup uh, is is always a good thing. Exactly. And there's there's multiple ways to do that, but creating it in camera has got to be uh, a fantastic way. Exactly, because you know nothing worse if you've travelled a far distance or you know the pressure's on. This is your first paid gig, and something goes wrong with the memory card, and then you know all the time you had an empty empty memory card slot sitting next to that one, and you could have backed them up straight away in camera. You know, it's just not worth thinking about, is it? No. Craziness. Okay, so yeah, that's that's uh, why there's two memory card slots in, in some cameras, Henry, uh, Harry. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a lot of luck buying your new camera. 
Good stuff. So before we go, we're going to give one last shout out for you to enter our Shoot the Cover competition. We've teamed up with Canon to find three readers for a very special location day. Now you could win a Canon 5D Mark IV package worth over £4,750. Plus you could get your image on the front cover of our magazine. So head over to www.dpmag.co.uk and enter your best landscape images and you could be one of our winners. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for now, but we'll be back at the same time next week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a show, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Iggy. See ya. Yeah.